Lecture topic. Advices given by Prophet Muhammad. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-lazim istafa. Amma ba'du fa'audu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. وأمر أهلك بالصلاة واصطبر عليها لا نسألك رزقا نحن نرزقك والعاقبة للمتقين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اتق المحارم تكن أعبد الناس أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم The Quran Sharif highlights the importance of advice. Allah Ta'ala says that وَذَكِّرْ فَإِنَّ الذِّكْرَ تَنْفَعُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ That advice remind because the reminder, the advice is very beneficial for a mu'min, for a believer. It keeps benefiting. تَنْفَعُ <coughs> The Sahaba Ikiram, they fully appreciated the value of advice. If there was anybody that could have been, so to say, not in need, in a way, not in need of advice, then maybe it was probably them, meaning not in need of asking for advice, because they were all the time receiving something. And they merely being in the company of Rasulullah had been already elevated to a position that the rest of the Ummah couldn't compare and can never compare to the lowest of them. But yet they understood what was the value of advice and they would repeatedly ask for the advice also. You'll find in many, many ahadith, a sahabi comes to Rasulullah and he says, Awsini ya Rasulullah. <coughs> oh Rasulullah, give me some advice. So when this was the manner in which the Sahaba Ikram, how they took this to heart, and how much they valued having some dini advice, how much more we are in need of it. That we should be having regular advice. Advice of deen. We do take advice when there is a need for some worldly matter, there is some legal issue, we are taking advice from somebody in the legal expert. There's a medical issue, we're taking advice from somebody in that field. There's some domestic issue, somebody's taking advice from some counselor or from somebody else. There's a business matter, then he wants to know who's experienced and who's somebody that might be able to help him or some consultant. So for everything else, there's advice sought. But more than everything else, the advice that's required is for deen, for akhirat. So while all this advice is in its place, provided the person giving advice, understands the parameters of deen, the boundaries of deen, and that legal advice, that medical advice, that domestic and social advice, doesn't cross any line, any border of deen. And that's in its place. But beyond all this is the need for advice that will benefit us in the akhirat. For advice that will make our dunya such that Allah Ta'ala is pleased with us. So, this was the general approach of the Sahaba Ikram. And in this manner, one Sahabi came, came once to Rasulullah 
and he said izni wa aujiz o rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam izni wa aujiz give me some advice but please keep it brief now who is he asking for advice is asking the greatest of the creation of allah tabaraka wa taala the leader of all the anbiya and the rasuls of allah tabaraka wa taala and whose advice could be more greater than his or even any one fraction coming close to his but despite that he is asking for it to be brief we would have expected that he would say please just go on advising me as long as you can but he is himself saying keep it brief and rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not reprimand him on this did not so to say correct him that no you shouldn't be asking in this manner he endorsed it and he endorsed it by the manner in which he had answered that he gave him very very brief advice why did he ask for brief advice on this occasion there are other occasions where lengthy advice was also sought the purpose was that i want to take this to heart whatever you're going to tell me i want to make it part of my life is not just for the sake of listening not just for the sake of having been part of some gathering some talk some discussion maybe something that might have sounded very nice something that i might find very very uh, captivating so i enjoyed the moment and then after that moment life carries on no no i don't want to be just for the moment just to enjoy some good talk i want to make it part of my life so so to say i can digest a little at a time so i want to bite how much i can chew how much i can digest and then i'll come for more so therefore he asked for the advice to be very brief so rasulullah sallallahu gave him advice but after all he was that personality who allah taala had blessed with the mujiza and the miracle of jawami'ul kalim that in very very concise words the whole ocean of knowledge could be encompassed that the advice that rasulullah sallallahu gave him thereafter can be written in one line or maybe at the most it will require two lines in one line or two lines this can be easily written if it's perhaps a little bigger book in one line maybe a a5 size page in two lines but this two lines of advice volumes can be written on it and those volumes won't touch the surface it won't even scratch the surface so rasulullah sallallahu alaihi said to him three things the first advice he gave to him uh, he's asking for advice he wants to make it a part and parcel of his life what is the advice supposed to be all about that which will make his dunya and akhirat that which will make his dunya and akhirat and these three pieces of advice here are relevant to each one of us every day sometimes we are trying to see what's the relevance of what is being spoken what is being read what is being discussed this relevance is every day all the time so three things that nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said to him the first thing he said to him is a qumta fi salatika fa salli salatal muwaddi' that when you perform salah when you stand up to perform salah that perform salah like a person who is parting salatal muwaddi' 
One meaning of Salat al-Muhaddi is a person who is parting meaning. Somebody has somehow, it, he saw the signs that this is my last Salah of my life. There is no chance I am going to get prior, later than this. This is it. If somebody had to know for sure that that was his last Salah, he is not going to get another chance. And though we don't know it, but we have no idea whether any particular Salah, like the Juma Salah will perform now, whether it will be the last Salah or not, it very well could be. We don't know. How often somebody has performed on Salah, healthy, fit, but before the next Salah he was gone. One is somebody is sick, he's in the ICU and so on, and you say, well, this person is between life and death. How often somebody was healthy and fit, whatever happened, whether it was an accident, whether it was just some, say, well, he just had a heart attack, or whatever else might have happened, but the person performed one salah, met people in the masjid, and he even told somebody, I'll see you tonight. But before tonight, he was already in the cover. These are realities of life we keep hearing about, seeing as well, being first-hand witnesses of sometimes. So if a person knew for sure that this was his last salah, how he'll perform it? What will be the quality of that salah? So this is the message that has been given that improve that quality of salah to such an extent that that salah, that salah is truly a salah. And then the other meaning that comes in it, salat al somebody who has left everything else behind. He's coming to the house of Allah Ta'ala. So he's left everything outside, outside. And left everything else behind. Sometimes what is outside is outside but a lot of it still comes inside through the phone. person is sitting in the masjid He's sitting in the house of Allah Ta'ala, but he's brought not only what is worldly things from outside inside, he's even brought sometimes the haram inside too. But inside the house of Allah Ta'ala, even then sometimes the haram chatting hasn't stopped. Even inside the house of Allah Ta'ala, a person is still looking sometimes at something haram. So that is now a disaster beyond explanation. So here we are being taught, leave everything else outside. And leave everything else behind also. And bring a heart that is connected to Allah Ta'ala. Now this is a lesson and a message about what should be the quality of Salah. Because that quality of Salah is what is going to bring all the promises that Allah Ta'ala has linked to Salah. Allah Ta'ala has made many promises which are attached to Salah. That is not just on any kind of Salah. That is the Salah which has this quality in it. For example, in the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, وَأْمُرْ أَهَلَكَ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَاسْتَبِرَ عَلَيْهَا You command your household, your family members to perform their Salah regularly. You also be punctual upon it. And immediately Allah Ta'ala says, لَا نَسْأَلُكَ رِزْقَ We don't ask you for sustenance, for rizq. We grant you rizq. What is the lesson and the link in this? That salah, when it's performed the way it should be, with regularity, in the proper manner, with that right quality, salah will open out the doors of rizq. Salah will open out the doors of halal and tayyib rizq, filled with barakat. So now we are trying many, many things sometimes, but have we checked the quality of our salah to start off with? Salah has that 
power in it, that strength in it, that it prevents from every immorality, every vice. But that salah which has that quality in it. One is a human being and another human being. This human being can run and can run at a high speed, <coughs> can carry a huge amount of some very heavy weight and he can do so many things. And the other human being, he is laid out in bed, he can't even walk, he's so sick. Both are human beings. But can we say both are equal in their what they can produce? So this person, he can carry so much, he can do so much, he can run so far, he can, what not he can do? This person, he can only ask for help. Somebody help to do this for him, help to do that for him. So the salah and salah, there's a world of difference between it. That salah which draws down the risk from Allah wa ta'ala, that salah which becomes a barrier from every vice, that salah is a salah which has a quality in it. But then the other lesson that we understand very, very clear for us is here, that this is now giving us the very fundamental message that improves the quality of salah. Because it's that quality of salah that's going to bring down all these great things that we want. Now, if that salah itself is not happening, then what we, where we are? One is a person is performing the salah five times a day. He's even coming to the masjid. But the quality is very weak. He's still far away. And the person is not even coming to the masjid. Then where is he? And then if he's missing some salah, making qaza of it, then how far is that person? How then are we going to expect the rahmat of Allah wa ta'ala, the mercy of Allah to come to us, when even this much is not happening, which is the most fundamental command in deen, the first and most important amal after iman, which is salah. So all these aspects that we are desirous of, all this good that we want, all this Allah Ta'ala has promised with salah. But Nabi Salaam is saying to us, build the quality of that salah. So to start off with, you have to ensure that there is five times daily salah. And salah with jama'ah for adult males is wajib in the masjid. Unless there is some valid shari reason, because it is wajib in the masjid. Otherwise we are putting a barrier between us and the good that can come to us. So this is the first message and the first lesson that Nabi Salaam gave to us. That for salli salata muwaddi'in. That you perform the salah like somebody who is partying. Then the second advice Rasulullah Sallallahu gave that وَلَا تَكَلَّمْ بِكَلَامٍ تَعْتَذِرُ مِنْهُ غَدًا Now the Sahabi asked for advice and he asked for very concise advice. He asked for something very short and concise. So all these things as mentioned are not just one single line. It's one single line to write but beneath it and with it is an ocean of knowledge. The Salah will take care of all our needs of dunya and akhirat, provided it is Salah in reality. Otherwise, in the Hadith Sharif it's mentioned that if a person performs a haphazard Salah, he doesn't make the Ruku properly, the Sajda properly, he's hasty between the Ruku and Sajda, etc. Then that Salah raises just above his head, then it's flung back, back at him like a dirty rag and the Salah curses him. May Allah destroy you as you destroyed me. If somebody's salah curses him, then what else is going to be left? So in any case, that's the first point to build the salah up. The second thing now, 
will save us from numerous problems in day-to-day life and also in akhirat. Nabi Sallallahu says that don't say something وَلَا تَكَلَّمْ بِكَلَامٍ تَعْتَذِرُوا مِنْهُ غَدًا Don't speak something which you're going to regret tomorrow. Tomorrow? Whether that tomorrow is even today meaning later. Said it now and then you're going to regret. So in other words, think before saying something. Because this tongue مَا يَلْفِذُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ It's not just something spoken and just fizzled out in thin air. Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an Sharif, cautioning us about how we use our tongues. مَا يَلْفِذُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ That whatever word comes out of this tongue, there's a scribe, an angel ready to write it down. If it's good, mashallah, very good. So it'll bring a lot of benefit to him in dunya and akhirat. And if it was an evil word, it was something hurting somebody, it was something humiliating someone, vulgarity, obscenity, and what not, lying and backbiting and gossiping and slandering and all kinds of vices of the tongue, that too hasn't fizzled out in thin air. That too is being written down. Now one is sometimes a person says something, then he himself regrets it here and now. He said something in that fit of anger, whatever, he blurted out those three talaks. Now he's holding his head, what did he do? But what he did, he's already pulled the trigger. He already pulled the trigger and he's caused irreparable damage. He's killed it off. Now the regret is too late. person said something and years of friendship just dissolved. Why? Because of what he said, how he said it. Person says something and he's estranged. Sometimes his parents, parents have estranged the children and what not goes on. And sometimes the person says many things and thinks, well, there's no consequence for this. Why? Because, for example, he saw it, his wife, what she's going to do about it? If she tries to say something, then he'll threaten her with talaq. So, what happened now? Nothing happened. I got away. A person saw it, somebody working for him. And so what happened? This person is desperate for the job. He's just going to, have to keep quiet and just follow it. So nothing happened. But Allah Ta'ala is saying, مَا يَلْفِزُ بِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ That if it's not today, he's going to regret on the tomorrow of Akhirat. That is a very severe regret. A person regrets today, he can still in some way sometimes make amends. Go ask somebody for forgiveness. Go and make amends in some way. But when he's already reached the Akhirat, now it's too late. Now the amends would be by paying back with his good deeds, his amal, to start off with how much he's accepted. And now it will all be dished out to those who he harmed with his tongue and other ways also. So that person he swore at, in the one Hadith Sharif which is well known, Nabi Sallallahu was asked, he asked the Sahaba, do you know who's a pauper, a bankrupt person? He said, person who doesn't have any wealth, any possessions. Nabi Sassim said, not him. This dunya, dunya, things come and go. Person doesn't have it today, tomorrow he got it. Person got it today, tomorrow he doesn't have it. Dunya, that carries on changing. Changes hands from time to time. Dunya is not the pauper of dunya, is not the real pauper. Because he could be tomorrow's billionaire also. The pauper and the bankrupt person of my ummah who comes on the day of Qiyamad. With a lot of good deeds. Salah, zakah, fasting, hajj, 
and many other righteous deeds, a lot of charity, a lot of good work. But then, he also has got a lot of things to his debit. Top of the list. He has come in the condition that he swore somebody. He slandered somebody. He hurt somebody. Usurped somebody's wealth. So now the day of Qiyamah, all these people will take from his good deeds. And before he knows it, it's all exhausted. But the line of people haven't finished off claiming. So now what? Now will your sins take it and put it on his head? Now the transfer will happen now. The immediate transfer. In dunya all the time we're making EFTs. That transfer will happen in Akhirat. Of somebody else's debts, their liabilities of sin. On the head of the person who was now swearing and using his son without any concern and vulgarity and obscenity and humiliating somebody and hurting somebody. Now he'll take other people's sins and go to Jahannam. Allah Ta'ala save us. So Rasulullah says, don't say something you're going to regret tomorrow. <coughs> so this is the very, very important aspect about how the tongue is used. In the ahadith regarding Rasulullah the description about his speech, his Mubarak speech. So the Sahabi narrates and he says, regarding Rasulullah Neither was he by nature vulgar. Some people by nature start becoming vulgar by nature because over time that becomes the nature of the person. He has become so accustomed to talking in that manner that now without even thinking and without trying to even talk in that manner, that's the talk that comes out. That's the dirty manner in which the person speaks. And sometimes that's not the person's nature. It's not the way he normally speaks. But now he's sitting in a circle of people of that, that kind. So now he wants to also fit in. So he wants to fit in also. So he also starts talking in a similar manner. Or sometimes he says, no, I just lost it. I lost it. He didn't have control of his anger. So now he started talking all kinds of flowery language. Nabi Islam, Neither was he by nature vulgar, nor did he ever force any vulgarity out of himself. His Mubarak tongue was completely clean and pure from any such thing. And the tongue of a mu'min has to take Allah Ta'ala's name. So stand in Salah and say, Allahu Akbar. He has to read Subhanallah. He has to recite Durood Sharif on Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with this tongue. And this tongue, he's going to first soil it and then use it for this. Like a person dips that spoon in some dirt and filth and excrete and now he wants to eat with it. Who will do that? Which same person will do it? But now that tongue is used to soil, it's being soiled with so much of dirt and filth, of vulgarity, of obscenity. And then the person now is, you know, also you, he has to say Allah's name. He has to start his salah. He has to decide Quran Sharif in his salah. So we have to keep the tongue pure, make tawbah, istighfar, and clean the tongue out from any impurities of this nature, so that we can take the name of Allah Ta'ala with a pure tongue. We can recite Guru Sharif upon Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with a pure tongue, a tongue that is clean from all vulgarity, obscenity, lying, backbiting, and all kinds of evil talk. So the speech of Rasulullah Sallallahu was of this nature. In any case, there is much, much more in this regard, but just to finish off this explanation of this hadith sharif the last thing that Nabi Islam said is giving very concise advice to this person 
advice that can be written in one line. But it's volumes, forget volumes, libraries of advice. The third aspect that Rasulullah says, The crux of this is, be content with what you have. Don't be looking around what somebody else has. Be content, you'll be happy. You want to be happy? You want to have a heart clean from any malice, any jealousy, any misery all the time in that same misery, but why I don't have this, and I don't have that, and why I'm not doing what somebody else appears to be doing. You want to save yourself from all that misery? Be content. That is the greatest wealth. Inna al-ghina, ghina nafs The greatest wealth is the wealth of the heart. The wealth of contentment. The person who is content, he'll be happy. And the person who is content, he'll get safe from many, many sins. He now won't be borrowing, sometimes Allah forbid even worse, borrowing on interest, and earning the wrath and the curse of Allah Ta'ala for what? Just to do something to show off to others. Just to spend in a way that it will make a name for him. So that others might be impressed. And then, he'll lead himself to so many more sins. The person who's content, he'll enjoy Allah's na'mat on him. If Allah Ta'ala has blessed him with abundance, he'll enjoy those na'mat. But then if he's content, he also won't be wasting it in ways which just to make a name, just to make an impression. Rather, he'll earn his akhirat with the abundance. He'll then spend that to help the servants of Allah Ta'ala. Those who are in desperation, those who are in need. He will not have a heart to spend one cent in wastage. He'll enjoy what Allah has blessed him with. He'll have the comforts and the luxury for himself. He'll enjoy it, no problem. Allah give him barakat in that. But he won't waste one cent in just making a name for himself or trying to impress somebody else or just to have some brand because this will stand out. No, no, no. He will say, I rather, I rather leave that flower arrangement just to impress people and buy some flower and give to a starving person. Those flowers will get dumped after that occasion. After that half an hour, one hour, two hours or half a day, that flower arrangement, 25,000, 100,000, Allah knows how much people talk about that all will be taken and dumped. But if with that much money he bought flour, which somebody could have made bread with, then that would have earned him Jannat. And this is taking him on the path of Jahannam, because it's wasting Allah's na'mat. But who will do this? A person who's content. He doesn't need all the name and fame. He doesn't need to make a show of anything. Allah has blessed him with something, he's happy with that, he makes shukar for it, but he uses it in a way to earn Allah's pleasure. But when this comes, with contentment. That contentment will save us from misery also, save our hearts from being in this torment all the time, malice and jealousy and whatever else, will save us from so much of sins, will help us to earn the akhirat as well. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq, the three advices that Nabi Sallallahu gave. Number one, improve the quality of salah. Five times daily salah with jama'ah in the masjid, unless there's a valid reason for not having been able to attend the masjid. And then together with that, the quality of the salah. The second aspect, don't speak something you're going to regret later. And the third aspect, Nabi Islam says, be content. This is what you'll benefit you in every sense. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'awana alhamdulillah.